Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. And I, for one, have been fully enjoying Dylan Brooks finally shutting up. And we had a long <laughs> conversation about this, Kate, the other day, how I think if you're going to talk trash, you have to be able to sit there and take it if you're wrong. Because here's the thing about Dylan Brooks. He wanted to talk and have all the microphones in front of him and rag on LeBron James until LeBron James is, you know, the punisher and sealing the deal for the Grizzlies uh, loss in overtime. And in those games, he was nowhere to be found. He did not show up to the press conferences or talk to reporters after those games. How did we get here? How did Dylan Brooks get such a spotlight? Because there's one thing for guys like Draymond Green, who have been a staple and a guy that's very well-respected, and we know his basketball IQ is off the charts, despite, like, not having the huge offensive put out. But, like, he deserves to be, like, a main character in the NBA if it were to be a Netflix show. Who gave this role to Dylan Brooks? That's what I want to know. Well, the thing with Draymond is Draymond will sit at every press conference and answer every question. After he punched Jordan Poole, yes, the Warriors <laughs> didn't let him talk for a couple days, but he sat up there and he, he I know, right? It's hilarious that we're like, when he punched his teammate before the season even started, um, he sat up there and he answered questions and he took accountability for what he did. Dylan Brooks wants to talk all this smack and be this tough guy. And then as soon as LeBron kind of puts him in his place, all of a sudden Brooks is like, no, we're not talking after the game. Jaw's not even talking. Like the Grizzlies just as a whole, they want to be the bad boys until until they get put in their place. And then they're like, oh, wait, let's just slowly crawl back into the corner and <laughs> pretend like we uh, didn't say anything. Like if you're going to be a bad boy, be a bad boy. Like be the bad boy of the league and, and, and the tough guy and come out and – Talk to the reporters after and own what you've said. And I don't know, maybe even double down. But the the last thing you want to do is just not show up. And you just look like a baby. Right, because like how many times has this trash talk worked? Because last year they were trash talking the Golden State Warriors. How did that <laughs> one end up? The Golden State Warriors literally won the NBA title. Now this year they're trash talking the Lakers and they yeah. continue to lose games to the LA Lakers. So maybe start trash talking somebody on your own level. That's the other thing. Like, why are they picking like the biggest, baddest guy, you know, at the prison? They're going after LeBron. They're going after the Golden State Warriors. Maybe pick on like, 
you know, the Utah Jazz or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the ish part part of the issue with the Grizzlies, not the whole issue, is the distractions they've had all season long. Yeah. All the drama with Ja, multiple different instances. Like stop, they stopped winning games through that end. Like everything with the Memphis Grizzlies off the court affects how they play on the court. So this is the playoffs. You should be hyper focused on just what's happening on the floor and leave all the other fluff out of the picture for the next couple of games, the next series, what, however far you're in the playoffs, just focus on playing the game. Grizzlies don't know how to do that. And so the narrative around the Grizzlies, everyone post game, everyone, what everyone wants to talk about is all the off court stuff of Dylan Brooks, trash talking, being a bully, you know, jaws, this jaws, that just play the game, like shut up and play really. Right. And also, I think some of the injuries that the Grizzlies have had have really cost him. Like, do you think the series would go differently yeah. if they had Steven Adams? Like, not only is he a big part of their offense and defense as uh, a guy who is one of the better players in the paint, which you definitely need against a very big team in the L.A. Lakers. You need a rim protector. But also, he's been voted year in and year out as one of the toughest players in the NBA and a veteran presence. But I feel like this Grizzlies team, don't you feel like that's the missing piece from this year and last year's team is they need like a veteran to kind of, you know, nail them down? Like maybe I'm off base here, but it feels like they're really missing him. Oh, a thousand percent, Chalsa. Between he, uh, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark's not necessarily the veteran presence, but you're missing two of those big guys mm -hmm. uh, down low for you, the physical players. And Steven Adams has tried to be the veteran presence. Like when Ja was going through all that stuff earlier with the Instagram live and, and the, the night, I believe, before the whole strip club thing came out, Steven Adams had a talk with the team in the locker room and said, hey, we need to start being more focused on the road Focusing on basketball the next night, that's when the Ja Morant strip club came out. So, like, no one's paying attention to Steven Adams, and that's their issue right now. He's been here before. He knows what's going on. He's been in the league a long time. And he's, like, the big – I'm sure he's, like, a teddy bear guy, but he's the big, burly, you know, scary, physical man that the Grizzlies need, and they've been lacking him in the postseason. And I think that's showing a lot, not just with missing him on the floor and in, 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 you know, the physical aspect of the game, but also the mental and the maturity aspect that you need more so in the postseason than you do in the regular season. Right. But now the backs are against the walls for or against the wall, I should say for the Memphis Grizzlies. So let's start with that game. Since we're talking about it already, we have the Grizzlies laying four and a half at home in desperation mode. Like I said, because it's the Lakers that lead the series three games to one total in this one, two twenty one and a half. and a half from a betting standpoint. The over has been the play in this series. Uh, but what do you make of the desperation angle? Because for me, it looks like the Lakers have pretty much sealed this series. I feel like they're the better team in the clutch. So if this game comes down to the final two minutes, we've seen it. It's been LeBron, or even when it's not LeBron, the Lakers bench has been way better than the mm -hmm. Grizzlies bench. We've seen big games from Austin Reeves. We've seen big games from Rui Hachimura. And even Jared Vanderbilt in the first quarter of last game really set the tone for the Lakers so I feel like it's a it's there's a shot that the Lakers win this game but the line is here for a reason I believe so what do you think the betting angle is here yeah the way I'm going to approach this game is to play on Memphis early I mean th they've been all season long 
one mm-hmm. of the best covering teams in the league early in a game. I mean, the first half at home this season, they're 30, 12 and one ATS. They rank second in offensive rating over the first 24 minutes of home games, first in defensive rating. So they're very strong in the first half to begin with. And then with adding in the, you know, their backs up against the wall, the desperation mode after they lost game one, they came out in game two without John ja Morant. And so that showed me a little bit of a desperation spot right there. You don't want to go down 0-2 on your home floor to then go to LA to play games three and four. And what do they do in that game? Well, Memphis comes out, uh, puts up 30 in the first quarter, 30 to 19 in the first quarter. And then at the half, we're looking at a 59-44 lead for Memphis. So I like them early in this game. I think the play here is either take them in the first quarter first half both uh play their their team total over in the quarter in the half just narrow it down to the first half of this game after that I don't really want to be involved in anything going on because I think the Lakers are the better team like you said they have the better bench they're deeper and I trust them a little bit more which is hard to say for a Anthony Davis team that you know AD could get injured and go out at any moment so First half, early in the game, I like Memphis. Full game, lean towards the Lakers to win this one. Right, I like that as well because we've seen it. Even dating back to last season, the Grizzlies have had trouble holding on to leads. Here are some of the numbers if you do want to bet this stuff over at BetMGM. In the first half, if you like the Grizzlies laying a point and a half, that's minus 130. If you like, like them laying two and a half, that is minus 110 first quarter. Uh, first quarter spread, one and a half, minus 110 if you like the Grizzlies. And maybe a team total, uh, you know, if you like that better a little bit uh, or a little bit better, you can play that as well. Uh, Are there any other angles in this game that you're interested in before we move on to the Knicks and Cavs? Not really. Um, No, honestly, there's really not. I've kind of looked at playing some LeBron props, but I'm not sure I want to go there. I mean, he he's shown that he can take over a game if if he wants to, but he's also very content with the role players being the scorers and it, him, him being the one to facilitate and just kind of quarterback this offense. Uh, so you kind of don't know what you're going to get from him game to game in terms of is he going to score a ton? Is he going to have a ton of assists? So I'm going to stay off that. But yeah, the only thing I really like here is Grizzlies early. All right, one more angle I want to bounce off of you. Star yeah. players facing elimination because we saw this as a profitable angle last night. We saw Trey Young go over his points prop when facing elimination against the Celtics. We saw Anthony Edwards go over his points prop mm-hmm. when facing elimination. We know that got eliminated, but still, that's not what you're betting on. So, looking at John Morant here, a team that is facing elimination and his points prop is 27 and a half minus 105. So, it's a pretty good price for somebody we know has a very high ceiling. Do you think this is worth playing or worth considering? Yeah, because as much as Ja has kind of just been all over the place this season in terms of his odd antics, he can step up when it's time and he can score pretty much at will. And if this team is down at all and needs to climb back in this game, who are they going to go to? They're going to give the ball to Morant nine out of 10 times and he's going to go to work. So this would be a spot where, when this team is facing elimination, it's typically going to be the star player that steps up. Um, you said it. We saw it last night. So, yeah, I don't hate that angle at all for Ja having a big game tonight. 
Right. And we were trying to pin this angle in the series between the Knicks and Cavs, but Donovan Mitchell's points prop, I think, is 30 and a half. So yeah. maybe it's a little too high, but let's look at this series as a whole. The Knicks lead this series three games to one. Uh, we've got the Cavs laying five and a half, though, at home. Total 202 and a half, which, yes, sticker shock, it's very low. But in each and every game, we have seen one of these teams fail to score at least 100 points. So, Kate, what's the best read when it comes to Knicks and Cavs tonight? I mean, the best read would be to take the under based on how all these other games are going, but 202 and a half is pretty low. Then I'm going to take the Knicks in this one instead. The Knicks defense has stepped up huge in this uh, series. They've held the Cavs to under 100 points through the last four games. Cavs have the worst offensive rating of any team in this year's postseason so far, and their defensive rebounding is also the worst. Only 62% of boards they're pulling down on the defensive end over their last um, four games. And Knicks are straight up out-rebounding the Cavs. 17-7 to on the offensive glass in game four. 47-33 overall. New York's transition defense is also something that they struggled with through the regular season, but they've been top four in opponents' points off of turnovers, um, opponents' fast break points. So they're really doing everything they can to slow down the Cavs. That you have a veteran Knicks team that's been in these situations before, or players, I should say, that have been in this situation before. This team, not, not um, so much as this full unit, but more so than the Cavs have. Cavs are young. They're inexperienced and a situation like this, maybe you get Donovan Mitchell to step up and have a big game, but the way the Knicks defense has been playing, I, I like the Knicks to cover in this one. Same, especially if you're giving me five and a half points in a game that has a yeah. total of two and two Oh two and a half points at a premium. Give me the five and a half. I think for me, the Cavs just look very top heavy. Like they have really good, like top three options, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, uh, and even some of their bigger guys, you know, down low are pretty good. But still, they don't have the role players that I think the Knicks bring to the table. And I think that matters in the postseason because people love to talk about superstars. And if the game is close in the final two minutes, you definitely need a closer. But still, we see this all the time to where there's somebody that comes out of the woodwork and has a huge game, and it ends up being the difference maker. Like, I'm remembering back to when the Bucks won it, and it was like P.J. Tucker, or like, uh, who's the one with the big eyes? Bobby Portis, that will, like, have these <laughs> random big games. So, like, do you think depth is a factor here in this Knicks and Cavs series, like I do? Oh, oh, for sure. The Cavs bench is awful. Uh, 19 points in game four, 14 in game three total for their bench. Game one, uh, I'm looking it up right now quick, but I, I believe it was like 10 or 11 points total that they got. Mm -hmm. Let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 points. So their bench is averaging around 14 points per game. That's not going to get it done. Like you need something more than that. So the lack of depth for Cleveland has been a big issue. And I don't, I don't know how that changes unless you get an out-of-the-ordinary game from one of the bench players. And I mean, Isaac Okoro, yes, he has um, started some games, but mostly coming off the bench. And um, he's two of, what is he, two of 10 shooting from yeah, not corner threes Bob. because they're just leaving him <laughs> wide open, allowing these corner threes. They're daring him to shoot. Because they know they're not going to knock him down. Great strategy for the yeah. Knicks, right? Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to me to see what we see from Julius Randle too. Because we saw him yeah. benched 
last game and they still won that game. And Julius Randle is like one of the faces of the franchise, even though maybe the tides are turning and it's going to be Jalen Brunson at this rate that we're going. But one would think that maybe Julius Randle stopped shooting so many threes and hopefully he's not pouting because <laughs> uh, I think that's another problem with Julius Randle. One would For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.